Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion, they are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. What's up, Memphis? It's your girl, Uli Nikki B, hottest female promoter in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm kicking it at the Verbally Effective podcast with my girl, Ina Esco. Check her out. Hi, this is Bobby O.J., program director and morning personality for WDIA, hanging out with Ina Esco on the Verbally Effective podcast. Owned tax preparation company specializing in preparing and electronically filing federal and state income tax returns for individuals and small businesses. Contact Email Sagi Jr. with the exact tax team to provide you with the top of the line tax strategies. Contact Email Sagi Jr. today at 901-752-9152 or email ESIGEE at EDXACTTAX. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Verbally Effective Podcast. My name is Ina Esco. Thank you guys for joining us yet again. You know, this podcast intersects art, culture, politics, entertainment with a Memphis focus. That's right. We talk to all of the people in Memphis that are doing absolutely amazing things. You're going to get to know them today. So check it out. Before we get started, I want to shout out the Consortium MMT, Brandon Lewis, Patrick Harden, and I also want to send a big, big shout out to our new sponsor. His name is Emil Sagi Jr. with Exact Text Prep. Tax prep. Did I say that correctly? Tax prep. Let me give y'all his number so he can still drop that cheese off. 901-752-9152. Today, I have an important gentleman with me today. Um, It is because of him I am sitting in this chair in this wonderful studio, and I am so grateful to him. He is the president and CEO of the Black Business Association. I'm talking about Mr. Ernest Strickland. What's up, Ernest? How's it going? Good to be with you. Good to be on this side of the table. I know, right? I know. We have come so far, (laughs) Ernest, uh, since I've first met you, and you're doing some amazing things in the city. How are you feeling today? I feel great. Mm -hmm. I feel great. You know, I was telling you off camera that Memphis, if we were public traded, I would buy all the stock I could afford. Mm -hmm. I'm very pro Memphis. Pro-Memphis, yes. You are pro-Memphis. Are you originally from Memphis? I am. I'm from South Memphis. South Memphis. What about South Memphis? A couple places. Um, My grandmother lived in Claiborne Homes for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, 581 F. St. Paul. Um, You know it's a project when the number is a letter. And the other grandmother lived in Pine Hill. So I grew up between Claiborne Homes and Pine Hill. Wow. How was that? 
it was it was cool. You know, it was fun uh, being around a bunch of cousins, and we didn't. I didn't know we were poor until I got older. You know, because it was normalized and it was filled with you know love and family. We had food all the time. We had you know we had everything. You know, it was um, a good a good childhood for me. Do you have a lot of siblings? No, I only have um, two. I have two younger sisters. Okay. Are you guys still close? Yeah, we're close. Okay, okay. In age, my um, one sister is seven years younger, and then the other sister, she's uh, same age as my daughters. Really? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Wow. Same age as my daughters. Okay, so the young Ernest Strickland, what were you into, and what high school did you go to? Hamilton. Hamilton, okay. Hamilton Wildcats. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was into, you know, just normal things, you know, and I had a lot of freedom as a as a young a young kid. Uh my family trusted me. Um I was slick. I knew how to, you know what I'm saying, stay out of trouble and mm-hmm. as long as I stayed out of trouble, you know, they didn't bother me. They let me pretty much do what I needed to do, do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I was always, you know, an old soul as well. I could tell. Yeah. I could tell. Were you very studious? I was. I was very studious. Okay. So you, you know. didn't hang out with the, like, you know, the, the gangsters and all of them? Oh, you was cool with the gangsters? I was cool with them. Like, okay. you know, drug dealers used to buy me tennis shoes. Okay, you know, yeah, you me. was real cool. Yeah, they, they used to take care of me, you know, mm-hmm. to make sure that I stayed straight and narrow. They saw something in me, mm-hmm. you know, that I had some potential. And luckily I was around some, you know, some good older dudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good to know a lot of different kind of people. Mm-hmm. My daddy always told me that. Yeah. Always told me that. Okay, so what did you do after you graduated from Hamilton High? Um, so I left Hamilton, and I really wasn't thinking about going to college, to be honest. I have a, a good friend of mine. His mom, <laughs> I was going over to his house to pick him up so we can hang out. His mom was completing his financial aid for Jackson State. And she said, Ernest, what you know? What, what, what are you going to do? I said, I'll probably just, you know, chill. So she said, well, I have another application. And she completed the application, got me uh, signed up, and off to Jackson State with him mm. as his roommate. Wow. Now, I didn't stay there long. How I long was did only you there say? for a semester. Why is that? Well, it was something about, you know, um, selling gallons of beer next to the freshman dorm mm-hmm. that didn't go well with my calendar and my schedule. Oh, wow. And so um, <laughs> I transferred from Jackson State and went to your school, Lamorne Owens. Okay, I didn't know you went yeah. to Lamorne. I went to Lamorne on uh, for a semester. Another, <laughs> Another semester. semester. Why is this a semester at I LLC? Don't know. I don't know. I wasn't mature, and I really never wanted to go to college. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a, as a young person, college wasn't for me. And so I stopped going to college and started working different jobs mm-hmm. and later went back as an adult. Mm-hmm. And got my, you know, degree from the University of Memphis and another degree from Bethel, my MBA. Mm-hmm. But um, you can see two different people when you look at that transcript. You know, an adult learner and a young person who wasn't really interested. Mm-hmm. It really was like two different people. Wow. So you you, you finally, you said, hey, I'm going back to school. I, I got to take care of this. I was a late bloomer, I would say. You know, I, mm-hmm. I always had a lot of potential, but I didn't have a lot of drive. You know, to be honest, I was told that it was easy for um, a camel to get through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to heaven. Mm. And so I never wanted to be rich. Mm. You know, I wanted to make like $50,000. To me, that was cool. Mm -hmm. 
And amazingly, I would sabotage my growth because my thermostat was set at $50,000. Oh, wow. Isn't that something? And you know what? That's interesting because you motivate so many people. (laughs) Like, you know, you, you drive them. And for you... To have to grow into that. (laughs) Yes, that's really interesting. Wow. So let's talk about that for a second. You are currently the president and CEO of the Black Business Association in Memphis. For those that don't know what the Black Business Association is, tell everybody what that is and what do you do? So the um, BBA Memphis is a 47-year-old trade organization. We focus on the well-being, the business well-being of black companies you know, helping black companies to grow, to uh, sustain themselves, and um, to be successful. You know, in this role, I'm privileged to wake up every day and serve black people that try hard to grow a business. And that can be very difficult. And so, um, you know, Memphis being a majority-minority city, if black businesses are not successful— we won't ever be successful. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell people, in order for us to move from the cusp of greatness to realizing greatness, it's going to depend on how successful black businesses are. So a very mm-hmm. important organization. Wow. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because, you know, like you said, this is a 40-year organization. And you think about what was going on 40 years ago out here. Um, you know, poverty has been an issue for Memphis for forever. Um, talk to us about how poverty affects, you know, black business owners here. Yeah, I believe Gandhi said poverty is the worst form of violence because you feel it nonstop. 24 hours a day. And um, it's a mindset as well. You know, when you get that defeated mindset, it's hard for you to go out and, you know, have ambition. Mm-hmm. It's hard for you to go out and tap into that God-given potential that you have because you're mentally defeated. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's like anything else. What you see uh, becomes a reflection of what you think. And when you start thinking poor thoughts you manifest poor activities. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's very um, critical that we start to shift from poverty-centered thinking to wealth creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love what Mother Teresa said, and I talk in quotes and parables a lot. That's mm-hmm. how I learn, and so that's how I share. But uh, Mother Teresa says she will not go to a anti-war rally, but she'll go to a peace rally. Mm. Same rally, but the way that you look at it is mm-hmm. different. And so I don't want to focus on poverty eradication. I want to focus on wealth creation, and you get poverty for free. Okay, you sure do get poverty <laughs> for free out here. Um, so let's talk about wealth creation, and let's talk about diversity in Memphis. Because, like you mentioned, you know, this is majority African Americans in this in this city of Memphis. However, you know, we— uh, it's like we still trying to make some strides around here. And for a city with a higher percentage of African Americans, I don't understand why is that. Can you help me with that? Yeah, it's tough for sure. Um, you know, in Memphis, like many urban cities, um, we've suffered from, you know, historical uh, disinvestments, historical disenfranchisements. And what you see today is those dividends of that disinvestment um, continue to pay. And so, you know, I once told a person that 
public policy has to step in and provide a jolt for black people to get out of the situation that we're in because it's like a hypnotic rhythm now. You know, generations are being born and living in poverty. And so something has to happen that disrupts that, right? And, um, you know, you think about public policy. Jim Crow was public policy. Mm -hmm. And so if the government helped put us in this situation, we're going to need the government support in getting us out of this situation. And um, not only, you know, for the benefit of, of black people in Memphis, but for all Memphians. You know, my white friends in Memphis, they don't like seeing Memphis you know, looking uh, raggedy and poverty-stricken as well. You know, they want to have a clean, better Memphis as well. And so um, it's in everybody's best interest that, you know, we do something different and we do something special. It is in everybody's interest. And, and, you know, in your position, I know you know a lot of people in high places here in the city. Um, You said some of your white friends, they don't want to see the city like this. I mean, what do they want to see? I know they don't want to see the city look raggedy, but are they contributing to the diversity and the wealth creation? Are are they trying to help us out? Well, I I think there's an understanding in Memphis. Um, You think about the new Ford project that's coming Mm -hmm. to town. Um, There's an understanding that that project won't be viewed as a success unless black people have um, a piece of that pie. Mm. And it's a big pie. It's $5 billion mm. piece of the pie. And so— um, Tell us about that project for those that may not know what you're talking about. So Ford uh, decided to build their electric F-150 pickup trucks um, in Haywood County, right outside of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the workforce and the um, businesses and the construction that goes into that, a lot of it will come out of Memphis. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just as uh, the— Olympics and the building of the airport in Atlanta was that catalyst for Atlanta to mm-hmm. birth black millionaires. Mm-hmm. Ford is our Atlanta moment. Wow. And, and so, when is that coming? Uh, they're starting site work uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And so my organization, along with um, the uh, MNBC, which is the Mid-South Minority um, uh, Business Center, as well as MAMCA, which is the Memphis area Minority Contractors Association. We're all working together under the umbrella of Memphis MBE Collaborative mm-hmm. to make sure that we get the word out about this opportunity to black contractors, mm-hmm. that we educate them on how to uh, pre-qualify in the portal that will make sure that they have license and things like that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, that they have opportunity to get some of this business. Is it looking good? So us. far, so mm-hmm. far, I'm 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 optimistic. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't had um, had a good conversation with Ford, and I was very uh, blunt with them in saying that you know diversity means it's very ambiguous. Um, Claude Anderson always says, you know, what is minority? You know, is it a a one legged person? Is it a uh, you know a short person? Is it a tall person? What is a minority? Blackity black. In Memphis, it's black people. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line, yeah. that's yeah. what we're talking about. Exactly. And you know what's interesting? I used to work for a uh, corporation here, and my role was in purchasing, handling diversity spend. And we would, you know, go to all of these uh, meetings. We would talk to the higher-ups in the company, and they would give us a percentage. They want 
to spend 30% diversity spend. It would never happen. <laughs> you know, they would vet the vendors out. They would bring them in. And nothing changed. That diversity spend, I would say, stayed right under 10%. So, you know, I know your goal with what you do is to increase that spend with the right. city. So do you have you seen it increase over the years? Well, I'm new in this role, mm-hmm. um, but what I've seen is there's a lot of black businesses starting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've heard about the great resignation when people are saying, you know, after the pandemic, people are no saying, more. look, I don't want to work no more. I, li- I like my freedom. Uh, I'm going to take my chances and bet on myself. You know, hey. Stop. hey, there it is. <laughs> Perfect example. Perfect example. Right. But look, everybody don't need to be doing it, though. You better make sure yourself in a good position. But people look at it like everybody hiring. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an interesting interesting time for sure. And so we're seeing a lot of activity. Mm -hmm. Now we have to make sure that that activity leads to impact and leads to people getting um, checks for their service, for their products. Wow. So your organization, the BBA, are you all training people? Are are you all, you know, preparing them and things of that nature? Yeah, we we do a little bit of everything. Um, We do some technical skills training. Um, We also work with vendors. For instance, what we find black companies really need are marketing. They need um, proper bookkeeping and accounting. Um, Mm. Access to capital, which is the cousin of proper bookkeeping and accounting, Mm -hmm. and also um, support with leases and legal, understanding the leases that they're about to go into. Mm -hmm. Too often, we have a a black restaurant that is looking at a lease through the lens of where can I get the cheapest rent, but not is this rent also in a location that will support market-wise the product that I have. You know, so it's more complex than just getting the cheapest rent. You know, you have to take other variables into consideration. So we provide some um, assistance in those areas. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Now, what do you feel is the most challenging, you know, piece of the work that you do with the BBA? Um, I would say just building the foundation and infrastructure within our organization to be able to support the lofty goals that we have. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, we've been under-resourced um, for a while. We, we we do have the luxury, and we're very fortunate to have been in uh, Mayor Strickland's budget mm-hmm. for the last uh, several years, and city council have provided uh, a grant to the BBA so that we can have some capacity to serve companies, but um, we need more. Like I mentioned earlier, um, we didn't get in this situation overnight or by ourselves, and so we're going to have to do something special to get out of this situation. Mm -hmm. And when you look at markets like San Francisco, they have innovation dollars. We need innovation dollars. We need money that Mm -hmm. is put into organizations and, you know, that will allow you to experiment and to try things Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, only having enough and then you're scared to, you know, really get too innovative, you know, because that's all you have. So we need some innovation dollars Mm -hmm. where we can just, you know, try things, test things, you know, and learn from those tests and make improvements. So you say it's challenging getting those innovation dollars. Yeah, most dollars will be pointed directly to 
a specific program, mm-hmm. you know, and not for you to imagine and come up with new ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And so we need dollars that will allow us to experiment and to be innovative. Okay. Well, I hope you get them dollars. I need them dollars. Where, where the dollars at? <laughs> where the dollars at? <laughs> now, you know, you have been in some very instrumental roles. Um, like I mentioned, you've worked with the Workforce Development uh, Greater Memphis Chamber, now the BBA. You know, since you've been doing this type of work in the community of Memphis, what have you seen? Um, what What has been the most rewarding piece of this? Would you say? I would say um, there's an intrinsic motivation that comes with helping people. And during my time with the chamber, when I was um, over international business development, I would fly around the world, you know, pitching Memphis Mm -hmm. um, from Sweden to South Africa to um, Norway to you name it, uh, the Philippines. Uh, promoting Memphis, and so to 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 go out. For instance, I was in Japan once when they were looking at making additional investments in the U.S. We talked to them about what they have currently in Memphis, which is in Bartlett. But when you're in Japan, it's all Memphis, right? Um, and so from those meetings, um, they subsequently made increased investment. If you're driving down 64, you'll see Olympus. Um, they have a large facility there, much larger than it was prior to, you know, us making those recruitment efforts. But to see those type of investments and then to see people that you know and don't know get jobs there and are able to feed their families and have a, you know, increased lot in life, that's what's rewarding. Wow. Now, how long is your term in this role with BBA? Um, until I get tired of them or until they get tired of me. <laughs> That. Right. So you got I have a, lot a really of work good to do. board, uh, and they're very supportive, and they give me a lot of leeway. And so, um, I don't plan on being in a role for a long time. I don't plan on you know being one a type of person that you know stays for you know an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. I would love to find someone you know that I can groom, that can be my successor. I'm can glad work. you said that. You yeah. know, it, it's some people in Memphis, they don't want to go nowhere. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. Okay. And I'm glad you mentioned board. You have a great board because you sit on quite a few boards. Right. You're on the board here at the consortium. Right. Um, other than the consortium, what other board? You're a board member for what other groups? Uh, right now, um, I'm a Whole Child Strategies Board, which is a, a nonprofit that serves uh, the North Memphis area. I am um, past chairman of the Downtown Memphis Commission, uh, Memphis and May Board. Um, I was on the board. I was the chairman of Dr. Harrison's Charter School for this a while. This is an important man. Well, <laughs> right here. I'm on the governor's <laughs> HBC uh, success committee, okay. uh, which is an advisory <clears throat> type of board. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, quite a few. Not as many as I used to. I don't have the bandwidth to, you know, mm-hmm. to serve. Matter of fact, I got a call today about serving on the board. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to serve on a bank board now. They get on paid. On a bank yeah, board. Yeah, they get paid. <laughs> you can get that check with that bank board. <laughs> wow. Well, you know what? Before we get into Esco's Pop Talk, um, uh, how is Millie doing? Millie Manny, um, he's doing great. He's mm-hmm. doing great. Your son. Just, yeah, my son. He at TSU. Eighteen year old freshman at TSU. He's a um, a rising uh, R and B singer, mm-hmm. as he likes to say. He's bringing 
R&B to Gen Z. Okay, yes, he, he is. He <laughs> so, um, is. He's, he's doing pumping great. that content out, baby. Yeah, he's doing great. He performed mm-hmm. at the Grizzlies game. He sung mm-hmm. the national anthem. Uh, I just received an email today. Um, his music is being synced again with a... Um, I can't disclose, but he's he's having another oh, sync placement Billy coming Manny. up. Wow, yeah, so he's doing great. That's awesome. You know what? I'm glad you said. Okay, you mentioned TSU. Time for Esco's pop talk because we don't <laughs> get to this Southern Heritage classic. I know I didn't prep you on that, <laughs> but you made me think about it. The Southern Heritage classic. So last week there was this big announcement that Jackson State University was pulling out of the classic. And so you're like, well, that was all of a sudden. Like, what is going on with that? From my understanding, there was a contract in place until 2024. But I believe, I don't know, did they switch divisions or something like that? Did Dion think they could make more money with other classic Mm -hmm. games? Um, The Southern Heritage Classic in Memphis is a big deal. A lot of business owners, you know, depend on that money flowing through that time of year. You know, I saw an article in the Daily Memphian days later uh, talking with Fred Jones, and he said that he was very disappointed. It was a surprise, like no one spoke to him about it, (laughs) and they're looking for another team to fill in Jackson State University. What was your thoughts when you heard about that? I was disappointed as well, Um, you know. Coach Sanders has been been doing a great job and being a strong advocate for HBCUs, yes. um, and this was this was really a um, I think a a mistake. You know, it, it was something that doesn't seem well thought out uh, because, as you mentioned, Southern Heritage Class is more than a football game. Yes, you know, it's an economic driver, mm-hmm. and a lot for of thirty years, thirty years. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be, you know, more responsible when you make those type of decisions that's going to have that type of impact. Mm-hmm. And um, Do you think Dion made that decision alone, or I'm sure he had people I don't know, but I know to. he's a very strong personality. Yes, and he is. if he wanted to keep it in place, he could have some influence there. Dion, um, what's you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know who, you know, whose call it was, but mm-hmm. um, hopefully, you know, I would think that, you know, he would fight for at least um, – scaling, you know, phasing it out, mm-hmm. not something that's abrupt. People So abrupt. Yeah, people, you know, have projected their sales based on this event. And mm-hmm. so I don't think he would want to hurt those businesses, but I just mm-hmm. think it was a premature decision. Do you think that Fred will find another team to fill that void? I think so. I think um, he has a 30-year track record mm-hmm. that he can share to any team that he pitches mm-hmm. on being a part of, you know, this prestigious event and yeah. i'm sure there are many teams that would love to be a part of this type so. of legacy yeah i can't imagine just no more southern heritage classic around here yeah wow okay next topic my former guest senator katrina robinson was here maybe uh, maybe six months ago and you know under a lot of scrutiny um with her fellow senators, um, she was under investigation about misuse of funds, right? Um, I think the dollar amounts began at 200000 and went all the way down to, I believe, three k at the end of the day. And I believe that the judge still hadn't ruled at the very end, right? So the senators last week called the meeting in Nashville to vote her 
out as a senator, which has has not happened since the Civil War. Why are these folks so mad at her about $3,000? I mean, what are your thoughts on this whole situation? And they voted her out. Yeah. I mean, I know um, I know her. I know Katrina. I know her family. I've seen her. Her, her daughter uh, went to school with my son at Germantown. And I've seen her, you know, put on the um, elected official hat, take it off, drive back to Memphis to be at the basketball game. Mama for, hat. For her daughter, put the mama hat on. And um, super smart. You know, mm-hmm. she's built a business um, that has been very successful. Um, I think, it, you know, I mentioned premature as far as the decision with Dion, but that was very premature. And if 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 that is... Um, Something that's going to happen. Why, why, why haste? You know, why not allow the process to play itself out? Yeah. Especially when you see evidence of the charges and the amounts mm-hmm. uh, diminished the way that they have. That in and of itself, substantially, yeah, should calls for you know cooler heads and you know you want to measure twice and cut once mm-hmm. as opposed to you know. Uh, making a, a hasty decision uh, mm-hmm. like that. And so, you know, I'm not a, a political guy, but I know oh, no. politics now. Oh, no. <laughs> politics um, <laughs> can, can oftentimes, you know, defy um, logic and reason. And so that's, true. that's unfortunate for her. But I know that <clears throat> she's smart, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to see what she does mm-hmm. after this. Yeah. And another thing, let me piggyback, and especially when you got other senators doing far more worse (laughs) and they're not voting them out, right? Right. So, yeah, I want to see how the whole Senate plays out after this, after the fallout from what they did with her. Yeah. Because I don't think the media is going to let it go. Well, you know, Nashville is a funny place, you know. Is it? It is. And, um, um, you know, Partisan politics and party comes before uh, logic, oftentimes, mm-hmm. and it's 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 really a shame, you know, for for them to take that action. Like I said, prematurely. Mm-hmm. Let the process play itself out. Mm-hmm. What's the rush? Yeah, but you know what? I'm excited to see what Katrina does next because I know it's not over yeah. for her at all. Yeah. At all. Okay, last topic, and this is one, I, I didn't prep you on this either, Ernest, um, but this is one that's kind of near and dear to what I do with podcasting. I'm sure you've heard of Joe Rogan. Yes. So Spotify pays him $100 million a year for his podcast, and recently uh, several artists, including India Irie, have pulled their catalog, pulled her podcast from Spotify, um, in response to Joe Rogan um, archive consisting of him saying the N-word. So we've seen like a compilation <laughs> video of him saying the word like 30 times over a time period. So, you know, when you put context behind it and actually listen to the conversations, it was like, why we can't say the word nigga? Like, really? So it kind of make you say, well... Can they say the word nigger? And is free speech really free speech in this case? You know, do we really have free speech? Spotify is standing their ground with Joe Rogan. They're not about to pull him off. Now, they've pulled those episodes where he mentioned the word nigger, but they're not pulling him. 
You know, they still going to pay that 100 mil. <laughs> so what do you think about this whole, you know, era of free speech now? Yeah, I think there's, you know, consequences. Um, and, you know, you have the whole cancer, cancel culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Spotify is a, um, a company. Mm-hmm. And I would hope that they are consistent. I would hope so, I look too. for. Because they're very successful off of black music. Mm-hmm. That's what built Spotify. So Yeah, yeah. And so if they're going to stand by <laughs> stand by Joe um, the way that they are standing by, I still think that they should, if they have, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion policies and corporate mm-hmm. social responsibility statements, mm-hmm. like now is the time to show leadership and um, deal with this accordingly. Yeah. Um, there has to be consequences for your actions, regardless of you know we're in a, a, a day and time now where anything you say, you know, can come back. Anything. And so, um, you know, what what it's an opportunity to have some education around it. I think there's an opportunity for them to make some investment mm-hmm. um, to show that they are true to their corporate missions. Um, and give a explanation on why they're making the business decision that they're making. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's tough. Hundred million dollars. hundred million. <laughs> Let's yeah. talk about diversity, Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for um, sharing your thoughts on Esco's Pop Talk. And since you know what, I, when I look at you, I, I feel like you like represent Memphis. Like you're a Memphis connoisseur, <laughs> right? Um, is there anywhere in Memphis that maybe we don't know about that that we should maybe frequent and learn some history maybe or even, you know, um, just a Memphis gym that we should know about? I feel like you know. Um, well, you know, we, we talk about North Memphis, South, South Memphis, East Memphis, um, you know, just tidbit of knowledge. There's, in front of the University of Memphis Law School, there's a uh, small stone that mm-hmm. is on the sidewalk, and that's the zero milestone. Mm. That is what separates the city, north, south, east, and west. I didn't know that. Yeah. Over there at Fogelman, yep. School of Law. School of Law. Um, so it's, it's right there um, in front of the law school, but everything that's north of that stone mm-hmm. Is considered north. Mm-hmm. Everything south is considered south, east, and of course the river is west. Are you serious? Um, and so um, I think knowing a little bit more about and knowing the Cotton Museum is a place I heard that about. I, I think people been. sleep on. Like Memphis, cotton sales were larger than Wall Street. That's crazy. So you you see, there's so much wealth pent up in this community mm-hmm. that, you know, dates back to slavery. Mm-hmm. And going back to my earlier point, we didn't get in this predicament by ourselves. Okay, and Memphis. We're gonna Come need on, help Memphis. Getting out of it. We need them dollars. We need, we need them, them innovative dollars, dollars too. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much, Ernest Strickland, for joining thank you me for today. Having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, so how can everyone follow your journey and um, see what you got going on? Well, uh, bbamemphis.com, uh, subscribe to our newsletter, uh, BBA Memphis on Instagram. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I, I don't know why, but um, 
Ernest Strick <laughs> on uh, Instagram. <laughs> kind of boring, but uh, no, he's not young. No, he's not. <laughs> wow. Well, any advice? for uh, these Memphians out here that may want to grow their business and, you know, get some wealth creation stimulated. Can they come yeah, to you? And- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, just schedule an appointment to come see us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd love to sit down. A lot of people come and just talk about ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's just helpful to bounce something off a person. That's true. And um, it doesn't cost you anything to come and have that conversation with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're happy to go in our Rolodex. Uh, you know, I'm old, so I'll say Rolodex. You know, to help people uh, <laughs> and point them in the right direction. So, okay. yeah, the BBA is a good place to come. All right. Well, thank you so much, President and CEO of the BBA Memphis, Ernest Strickland. Thank you for joining me today, sir. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You are absolutely amazing. And thank you guys for joining me on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Don't forget to check out our new sponsor, Emil Sagi Jr. with Exact Tax Prep. Call him at 901-752-9152. See you guys next week. Thank you.